Hello, Spacers. I'm Christopher Schmidt, and today I'm talking with Simon St. Laurent from O'Reilly the Media and Fluent Conference. We're catching up on technology news, stuff that we've done since we last talked, and just, you know, do a whole lot of catch up. It's great. It's good talk. Our sponsor is FluentConf. Put JavaScript, HTML5, CSS, and the latest web tools to work. The O'Reilly Fluent Conference is happening March 7th through 10th in San Francisco, and encompasses every major emerging web technology and tool of the web stack. Stay on top of the latest technologies, see how all the pieces fit together, and learn how to easily compare tools and frameworks so you can choose the best one for the job. Listeners, uh, use code NBSP. Again, that's NBSP when you register and save 20% off at fluentconf.com. Uh, here's some notes. Uh, tickets are on sale now for CSS DevConf 2016, the Alamo, taking place in San Antonio, Texas. Check out tickets and information, uh, speakers, and call for speakers at uh, cssdevconf.com or on Twitter at cssdevconf. Uh, I'll be hosting a virtual conference on JavaScript, JavaScript Summit 2016, on February 23rd to the 25th. It's three days of awesomeness. We talk about uh, animating with SVG, uh, securing apps, React, uh, Node, web components, and much, much more. Save 20% off when you use the code JavaScript. Uh, it's all responsive these days. Uh, the granddaddy responsive design conference is back. The virtual RWD summit will have three days of performance, responsive design, and development techniques at rwdsummit.com. I'll be hosting that. That should be really good. Uh, March 29th through the 31st. Uh, as, as always, with all the summits, you can get recordings with the purchase of the show. Uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Teleject, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T, where I try to be witty in spite of my many, many typos. Thank you for liking and subscribing us at Non-Breaking Space Show on iTunes. Or you can have uh, the show sent to your email by signing up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. Uh, find show notes and links uh, talked about in today's episode at nonbreakingspace.tv as well. No. On with the show. Hey, man, how's it going? It's good. I'm, I'm, I'm home. I was in San Francisco last week and had an interesting time getting home, but I made it. Yes. Uh, luggage? Your luggage or you got yeah. trouble getting home? No. Well, I had lots of trouble getting home, but I got here. So Okay. Was it a snowstorm? Yeah, basically the the way to fly to Ithaca is through Newark, and that wasn't mm. going to work. So I went through Chicago, and that was also complicated. But. Okay. Do you want to like? You know, this is a safe zone. If you want to unburden. Uh, no, John Candy didn't show up, so it's not that exciting. Okay. <laughs> so okay, depends on which scene you're talking about. But um, uh, yeah. So yeah, how? So you were in there for a conference, right? Yeah, so I went to San Francisco for the O'Reilly Design Conference. Um, it was it was nicely different from most of the shows that I go to. I mean, I, I know you hang with more design specific people. Um, I've worked with designers forever, but it's always been in like either a graphic design context or a web context. Gotcha. And this was this was a lot broader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the keynotes were really kind of like broad design vision kinds of things that everybody could could get to. Like um, people type of things like design will save yeah. the world. 
Well, we hope so. Or the world needs a lot more designers. Like looking yeah. at the ratio of programmers to designers in the world, I yeah, we could use a lot more designers. <laughs> uh, but the uh, yeah, but it was really different from the stuff that I usually go to, where like we're talking about design and we're talking about you know flexbox and multicolor layout and how to make right. all these things happen in CSS and yeah, you know, the tools to make design happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I love the talk Jen Simmons gave last year, where she went out and bought a copy of Vogue magazine, and you know, was uh, talking about how we, you know, need to learn to do these things on the web, and that was that was great. Yeah. Um, but even that was like, you know, that's further out than I usually see. This was this was even a step beyond that. Right. I, I like it's it's always been like a thing with uh, web designers. I think to, to take print and put it into web, but you know, but you know, the web is not print. And I love Jen's talk. I mean, she won best of CSDevConf uh, yes. for the presentation. And um, I think if you if you can catch it, I think it's at part. She's speaking there. Um, so it's a really great talk. Um, but, you know, it's like Jeff Bean and I think Jeremy Keith will tell you, like, you know, web has its own oh, yeah. um, language, you know, how, how it operates. And so I think it's like, you know, and there's people like my dad who just like, you know, I remember him like, in the nineties, like when I was like, I want to be a web designer. I want to do all these cool looking designs. Everything's like, I just want the information. You know, I just, I just want right. the info. I want to. Right. Well, actually, Sorry. one of my favorite moments, there was a shout out to uh, Craigslist. Yeah. Which, you know, notoriously does not pay attention to visual design, <laughs> yeah. but absolutely pays attention to information design. So, you know, that was kind of an interesting moment where I was like, yes, I'm in a different place than I usually am. <laughs> So, um, so I so the keynotes were kind of upper. Yeah. Uh, folks. Uh, any talks in the sessions that you liked? Or? Um, I didn't get to enough sessions. Um, the one that I really wanted to get to but didn't get to was designing for evil. Oh, um, that's forget. Which is basically about being prepared for the worst. Oh, nice. Because um, humans humans do these things. Um, oh, you know, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw a great talk from Dan Saffer on creativity. Um, a lot of the talks, you know, they went into hardware, they went into uh, like semantics or like the information architecture side of the world, um, the, the the process of collaboration, um, which I love seeing in this context. I, I sometimes see programmers talking about collaboration, but it's mostly, you know, how to use GitHub and do pair programming and stuff. Uh, design collaboration just seems a lot more inclusive. Um, and also just the whole, like basically the design level that I've always worked on is pretty much the interface level. Um, and hearing folks talk about experience just, just makes me happy. So <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah, it was kind of like my, my favorite comment from an attendee was that it was a design show that was not afraid of technology, but okay. it wasn't, a, but it was not a technology conference. Okay. Um, which for O'Reilly is amazing because we pretty much um, <laughs> technology conferences. So you said, you know. man, not me. I know, I know. <laughs> I, chair, I, I chair a technology conference. I love that conference. Yeah. Uh, but every now and then, it's good to get out and uh, see yeah. something broader. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know about the design conference, but I you know, can't break out and go see it. This is. Uh, I, I can't think I'm living in Florida, but I don't. I live in Texas, but it's still, yes. still flight to get out there. Okay, cool. Yeah, it sounded yeah. pretty good, and I like that. When I saw one photo, the venue was a was it Rollers Pews? It was a church, was it? Oh yeah. Like, so so they held the event at Fort Mason, and oh, like Fort Mason, the, yeah. 
So the keynotes were in like those big warehousey spaces, okay. but they also had the general's quarters or the chapel. And so the chapel is probably what you saw. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, one of the speakers was like, wow, you could still smell the incense like deep in the wood. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it definitely had a, a different uh, feel to it. Cool. Awesome. You've been recovering from that, from your travels with that, and um, and Snowmageddon, uh, Snowpocalypse, I'm not sure what yeah, you're I, calling it. Yeah, I didn't get any snow here, so, you know, oh, really? it, was oh, yeah, just, right. it was all in the places I had to go through. We provided right. the cold. It seems right. unfair that we didn't get the snow. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I tell you, I, one thing I've just been uh, watching over and over again, the, the viral video of uh, the snowboarding in New York City. Yes. And, and i just been, I just... Uh, Makes me laugh. It makes me smile. I laugh, but it makes me smile every time I see it. And I've seen it too many times to uh, mention. Really, <laughs> it's impossible, sir. Getting getting yeah, pumped up. Yeah, it's just no. It's just so stupid. Like that's so silly of a movie. But it's like, um, but you know, it's you know, the guy who does it is a YouTuber, like two million view view uh, subscribers, and so he's just he knows. You know, he's been vlogging a daily vlog, whatever. So he knows how to edit on the fly. You know, not on the fly, but very quickly. Uh, and he knows the cameras. He's the director, so he knows his stuff. And then, um, and I just love how, um, you know, I always love how the, the production, how they build it. And so there's a making of video, which I think is uh, even cooler than the actual um, the snowboarder. And I don't think if you, and that's coming from me saying that. That's right. like, like a typical person would like. I just like the cool video uh, that's made for MTV, Chris. Like, okay, cool. but. Uh, the making of it, so like he actually uses like three or four drones to get some shots um, before like the like thirty to fifty mile per hour winds kind of like make it impossible. Yeah, to shoot in, the, in the battery life. So so he's, he's got some great overhead shots um, by people who don't um, uh, by his friends who don't really fly drones and or shoot cameras like they're not directors. So he's able to do a lot of cool things uh, with some really cool shots and. Um, and the number of hours out there, so it was a really fun, fun thing. And uh, that's, um, I just, I just love it. I think it's pretty, well, pretty good thing. It's sort of see. that perfect combination of like a place we're used to seeing all the time, mm-hmm. with like completely different, unusual, right? Um, which is perfect. It also reminded me of I think the angriest I've seen my parents. <laughs> we were just driving one day, and some kid on a skateboard grabbed our car. Yeah, it was basically rolling along attached to the car. Oh yes, the Back to the Future. Thing, yes, yes. Oh, nice. The people actually did that. Okay. I, I yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, it was, uh, um, I was very cynical. Uh, this is not a new shocker to anyone who knows me, but cynical about um, uh, the impending snow, snowmageddon, uh, be, or um, snowpocalypse, whatever, because yeah. it was coming directly to DC and New York City, and you would not be able to hear anything about anything except how much snow. And New York City and DC from news stations because that's where the base, that you know, New York. Right. So that's what I see. So I was really kind of like, oh, we're going to get this, and it just really kind of bugs me because we have all these news sources on the internet and everything like that, but we still have these like mainstream, if you will, news sources that dictate a good chunk of our change in terms of our news digest. You know, our diet is going to be about these two, like this snowstorm that's only going to affect these portions of people, and uh, and yeah. just to see this video of a guy having fun. In New York City, it was just, just the right antidote. Well, for, the thing my- that's yeah, the thing that's perfect is I mean, and this is true. I think blizzards are probably the best thing for this. Yeah. Because I mean, like going out and surfing in a hurricane just doesn't really sound like much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I'll ride this tornado, man. It'll be great. But, you know, blizzards have this bizarre combination of, yes, they're dangerous, the cold, the winds, the don't be driving, and the, oh, man, this is fun. We can roll around. It's like that, uh, the picture of the panda at the National Zoo. Did you see that one? No, uh, what was that about? Basically, there was also a video of the, the panda at the National Zoo rolling around in the snow, being totally oh, happy. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think it was nearly as well produced as the uh, snowboarding, <laughs> but um, yeah. it's hard to get pandas, well, to do anything they don't want to. Yeah, pandas got to do what pandas got to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like blizzards to me are just like this kind of bizarre combination of frozen, terrifying, and wow, can I have one of those? <laughs> um, I've been in New York when it got two feet of snow. I've been in Ithaca when it got like three feet of snow. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it totally disrupts everything. And I was really annoyed that I couldn't get a newspaper for three days. And, you yeah. know, I can live with that, though. I just I think back to like the quiet, to the people building ski jumps on the streets. Oh, yeah. you, you just don't get to do that after a flood. It just doesn't. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'd love to be a flood. It's not fun at all. Yeah, I don't recommend it. I think that's. No. Yeah, and I don't know what Austin would do if it suddenly got two feet of snow, but um. uh, it would it would freak out. We had a we had a um, frosting of snow, like just like a little dish, like a little salting of snow, and close the school down, so close the city down the whole entire day, and then it was last year actually, and then uh, and then another day it happened where they just. I don't know it was kind of weird. It just it happened at the right time where the forecast couldn't commit either way. As of right now, like three or four o'clock in the morning, so they right. closed down the whole entire city, and it turned out to be a beautiful day. But the whole city oh. was off. So, um, but right. yes, yeah, so, so this city doesn't have any salt salting or whatever. It had to probably go to the state level to get get right. the salting. So it was. Yeah, I have a salt mine like ten miles from me. So yeah, so it's yeah, this is grinds to a halt pretty much and freaks out about it and um and i lived in like chapel hill when we had like an ice storm come through and um what really gets gets my goat like you talk about hurricanes and all that stuff that uh, this is where i complain a lot but uh it's like if we you know you you have a hurricane coming you have a snowstorm coming our weather is really great you just have to like get out of the way prepare yeah um, enough time and then you'll they'll actually our weather is so awesome compared to like you know, being a caveman at times is like you know, being a paleo or whatever. They'll actually tell you a good hour, like within two or three hours of when something's going to hit. It amazes me because like cities, Chapel Hill, like, which is used to snow, which is used to like ice storms every once in a while, whatever, uh, just closed down in the morning, even though the storm was coming in the afternoon. So I couldn't uh, like get, uh, uh, get, get my errands done that morning or run around because everyone was just right freaking out gotta get home i'm like we have plenty of time we have like so it's well you've got to buy your bread eggs and milk it's very important I, yeah uh, i think i i think that's like an instinct that we've yeah not gotten I, over yet i don't know i just, flew into greensboro airport once right after an ice storm and i was yeah. really grateful to get a cab ride from this russian guy who clearly knew how to drive on ice but, <laughs> uh, no, that's a, yeah that's the thing i that's the most fearful thing though is people who don't know how to drive on ice so yes was he, was he doing like crazy eights no, no, we were okay. driving down. We were driving down Interstate 40 at about 20 miles an hour, but you know he knew how to keep us from going off the road. So okay. that was that was awesome. All right. Cool. So, 
<laughs> well, we did the uh, SVG summit while yes, uh, like while you guys were doing a design conference, and so that was actually really fun. That was um, uh, it was a, a virtual conference, which is um, uh, you, you know, it's always good because I feel like it's uh, we reach out people who can't make a physical conference sometimes with great Definitely. content, and so uh, and we had uh, you know we had Ryan Ireland from Jingo on, we had. Uh, uh, Sarah Drasner, who is writing a book with O'Reilly, uh, which is awesome, uh, which I found that out during <laughs> the summit. Uh, yeah. And then, um, so she's doing an advanced animated SVG book for you guys. And then, um, but her talk is always great. I think I've heard it like three times by now. Um, so it's a really great talk. And then, um, and yeah, she won Best OCS at Def Com. And then we had um, Brenda Storer and um, Ryan, they did kind of like a basic intro to SVG. And then we had a couple of people who just, Chris Gannon and like Dilly Story, Store, uh, who I've just been doing some awesome things with um, CSS animations and CSS design. Uh, it's SVG animations yeah. and SVG design. So I uh, just have them pick their brains and like it's pretty much like a show and tell to the catalog, type of like what they're thinking of, of how they approach things. And so it was really kind of cool to see them deconstruct uh, what they did and, and how they did it. And, uh, um, it just pretty much you just have to learn green sock. I think that's what I came over, came away with. Yeah, just, green sock's making a lot of people happy. I'm, yeah. I'm just happy that like you had an SVG online conference because like I did a book. David Eisenberg wrote an SVG essentials book for us back in like 2002. Yeah, and it was a great book. It was one of my favorite books. But then SVG yeah. like totally faded from the world. Right. And we finally did the second edition of that last year. Yeah, and, and now Amelia SVG is conquering. Yeah, Amelia is awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Amelia was actually um, I. Uh, she attended the, the summit, and so, and um, we and uh, we had Chris Coyer do a wrap up um, session at the end, and that you know I don't know what he was going to do because we just like just you know just have a wrap up panel and just you know take questions from the audience, and we'll just take it from there. But uh, uh, so he did a really good wrap up of the day and tossing some cool ideas at. The slides are available online, so I'll put them in the show notes. But uh, but the cool part was that we had a six-person uh, wrap-up panel online. And so we had Amelia was there. So she came online. We had Chris Scannon, Dilly Storer, um, Brenda Storer was there, and Sarah Drasner came on. So it was just like – it was just this great roundtable, and people just, you know, ask questions and talk to each other. And so um, it was a pretty, pretty fun fun time. And so I think it was a good shot in adrenaline for SVG. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah. And like you know, I was totally with you, like because I, I I was the old fogey there too, because I was just like oh, I remember SVG back in two thousand right. one, like Adobe had a plug in because they won the compete against Media Flash and right. I remember seeing a, a talk that some Microsoft guy gave that used SVG, and he's like, oh oh wait, before I say anything, I got to tell you, this does not mean that Microsoft is ever going to support SVG. <laughs> demo that I did, but you know, I you know it's the last like year, even the last six months, like. Um, Amelia's. I, you mentioned Sarah Drasner is writing for us. Amelia is also writing for us. Um, yeah. She's been doing great things on uh, basically every level of SVG. Um, right. And the stuff she's working on now is more about kind of integrating it with regular web stuff than just SVG itself, which is right. really where a lot of the juice is coming from. Like once once that became possible, yeah. it wasn't just yeah, I'm going to export this thing from Adobe Illustrator. Cool. It was like, wait, this changes the way I do the web. Um, 
I think my favorite thing was still um, Estelle Wilde's clown car, the SVG yeah. clown car for the responsive yeah. images. It was a bizarre hack. Brilliant. And it, and it showed you could actually use these things in totally yeah. unexpected ways. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I, and I was the old fogey brought that one up too. Is, uh, uh, my claim to fame is actually I gave her the name clown car. That's my claim to fame. Ah, but, excellent. Uh, yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, so, uh, so we actually had like uh, if you ever join our online events and are join live, we give away already ebooks for free. So yeah, pick one ebook, and so we had the SVG uh, pool of books from O'Reilly, and Amelia had either co-written or written all of them. So yeah, which is so yeah. like which I don't know which I don't know which book Amelia picked of hers, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, she came so. in as a tech reviewer on SVG Essentials, and David liked her work so much that she became an author, and we yeah. worked with her since on a bunch of other things. So, Yeah, and so I actually asked him if, to uh, be a part of the SVG Summit, because I knew he wrote the book in 2001. It'd be awesome to have him <laughs> be a part of it, but yes. I never heard back from him, so I don't know. So. He's teaching classes. He may not have been able to. Yeah, that's okay. That's so. cool. Um, yeah, I met him at the OSCON in uh, Portland, and so I was like, yeah. Open to connect with them. So yeah, I'm actually um, going to be uh, we're going to be updating our introducing Elixir book in a completely different universe <laughs> of technical stuff. Uh -huh, Sarah name? will Sarah will be keynoting and giving a talk at uh, Fluid as well. So okay, so lots more SVG coming. Oh, well, I mean, um, let's see. Other than that, I've been in, in kind of uh, different worlds. Okay, uh, so I'm in like WordPress world for a little bit, and then. Uh, I've had the SVG world a bit, and so I'm now getting to uh, a little bit of JavaScript, but uh, not too much. I mean, so it's been kind of crazy. I don't think I haven't really noticed any hot drama, but but since we talked, I've been sick for two weeks, so it's been kind of like catching up with the world. Yeah, uh, I had today. I had just the kind of the travel recovery time, but I think I just barely dodged getting sick. We'll see. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've got a couple of things going that. That have me thinking. Um, one is I've been working really slowly on this woodworking book, basically a book for beginners written by a beginner, which is always a dangerous thing to do. But I was thinking of it as a book. And then sometime over the holidays, I was like, um, you know, most people are going to read this on the web anyway. Why am I doing this as a book? And uh, I've been using O'Reilly tools. I've been, you know, thinking of like this linear form and all of this kind of like, here's how the pages go, here's how this goes. And uh, I decided that really wasn't going to work. Even though like the core of the book is a linear sequence, um, there's just all this stuff off the side that I wanted to do. Right. And then I started looking at my stuff as a website and like it all fell apart. So right. like the whole joy of crossing media, like I've got to come up with a whole new set of structures. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still sort of... Uh, hanging on to Jen's talk from an event apart about the, the formatting because I've got all of these options now. I should actually use some. Um, I've got a project where if it breaks, it's okay. It doesn't, it's not a crisis. Um, so that's been, that's been just kind of fun, like falling back into the, you know, how do I design this stuff and make it actually look good? Mm -hmm. um, I even found that like my copywriting felt terrible. Things that looked fine on a printed page felt hideous on the web. And that hasn't happened to me in a while. Um, <laughs> the other really odd thing, and this is web-related but sort of different, um, <laughs> is that I've been using all kinds of stuff in Google Docs for work and for some other stuff. And I've kind of reached the point where it's annoying me. I mean, like, I, I don't yeah. like spreadsheets anyway. 
Um, I could do pivot tables if I have to, really. Um, but there's all of this uh, Google application script stuff, which, I mean, it's giving me flashbacks to VBA on Microsoft Excel and stuff. But um, And it's weird because I'm on the web, but it's not quite web programming, but it's kind of like that. And what do I do with this? Um, that's just kind of got me thinking about all the strange new places the web is, is going. Uh, it will probably keep going. Um, I have really like strangely churning feelings about this, uh, but, uh, but we'll see how it all feels. Like what do you mean? Like feelings about like where it's going or. Well, I sort of grew up with, you know, it's the web and we're going to do all of these things in, uh, you know, classic, uh, standardized approaches. Um, and with the, uh, with the Google application scripts, it's like, yes, JavaScript, but all of these objects are like not the ones that I remember from my dynamic HTML days. They don't even look like uh, – there's just, there's just all kinds of things that are similar but, but weirdly different. Um, and I just got to kind of reorient myself. I, mostly I want to create some things that I can – I want to create some interfaces that look better than spreadsheets and share them with people. And as I'm doing this, I'm kind of like, you know, I can do it in this, but why can't I just do it as a web page? Oh, because I'm locked into this other world that's on the web but not of the web. It's it's just kind of a weird, like, hall of mirrors feeling. I don't know how much stuff you do that's, like, web-like but not on the web. Hmm. Maybe I should do more web stuff offline, I guess. I don't know. Is that, yeah, I, I sort of... Yeah, I sort of had this feeling when I was working on that um, iPhone application with Jen Robbins. Yeah. The HTML thing, because, you know, that was all targeted to iPhone and iPad, and that felt weird, too. Yeah. But at least it was all, like, familiar programming pieces that I'd used for years. So it wasn't quite as strange. Well, what, uh, one thing we I did do um, is talk to Ze- Jeffrey Zilbin. Oh, yeah. And uh, we did the uh, a podcast and talked about the uh, – it was kind of a little bit morbid, some parts, but uh, just kind of about the um, – because it was, it was uh, David Bowie died. Right. Not too long so and i'm still trying to like process that because i'm not i didn't know a big david boy fan and so just to go back and to his catalog and see his life work you know not just his life but just his work and just see how much work he did and the 70s alone was just amazing it's just where he made his name um it's just uh, crazy just and his ability to hey for this album i'm gonna be uh art punk rock space guy and then this next one i'm gonna be more soul and to be able to have the fearlessness to change styles and push it out there and to do a great job with it each time, uh, or at least, you know, or like it wasn't the probably number one hits pretty much, but it was just to be able to say it's a solid record, you know, just like, hey, this is a solid right. record. Most artists, you know, bands can't say, you know, like, oh, at least he put out, you know, nine, 12 songs on his album that, you know, pretty, pretty solid. And, um, and I was just like, well, that's, that's pretty awesome. And he's able to, and like within like five years or so, he's able to push out like five or so albums. I felt like, like, holy cow, that's it's, it's a great uh, role model almost in a way to have like that. And so, and then, and then we talked about, of course, the death and the morbid part. It was uh, um, that, you know, on his birthday, two, a couple days before he died, he put out this, you know, Black Star album right. with the song Lazarus on it. And everyone was like, oh, ho-hum when it came out. It was like, oh, this is really great. 
you put it out for his birthday and then you know, two days later he dies <laughs> and then you go back and then you like re-examine it on this new like you know contextualized like oh he was dying for cancer for 18 months like what and then you re-examine the look the, like, the video and and his the album and it's like oh man it's such such to go out on your well i mean you don't, you don't want to go out but it's like to go out on your as much of a creative terms as he could yeah i uh, would everything is just amazing and i mean uh apparently it's his like, first number one album too yeah and then uh to be able to, to do that um and I'm sure his back catalog is getting like a re- re-examined. In fact, the music industry, uh, 2015, like their back catalog, sold more songs, uh, sold more in terms of money than the songs written that year, like all the new songs written that year. So every Kanye West song, every Pitbull song that you heard sold, you know, all the new stuff sold less in the back catalog. And that's the first time it's happened uh, ever, I think. So I think it shows you like... Um, I don't. I don't think. I hate to say like it shows you like new music sucks because I feel like I'm an old guy saying that. But it just feels like uh, <laughs> uh, it just shows you how much a- easy access we have to a back catalog than we would have before, right? You can just go to a record store and get music now. Now you can go and get everyone's back catalog really cheap and easily than you could ever before. So it's pretty. I think it says a lot to you about the uh, preservation of our data of our work, and then that got, got us thinking about. Uh, the work that we do for the web, right? So the web pages that we work are like, um, they're temporary things. Like, and I was, my, my metaphor is like, we're trying to build the, the greatest uh, or, uh, or the greatest everlasting sandcastle. You yes. know? So it's just like, but no matter how awesome our sandcastle is going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be wiped away by the ocean, you know, or some, someone, some new people are come on to step on it or, or whatnot. Because, uh, even uh, uh, I make this this point. It's like Jeffrey Savine made, said, like uh, even uh, even news websites are going to have the same old article if they really store it, but it's going to have new ads placed all over it. And so the context of the of the newspaper article, you know, in, a, a newspaper as a timepiece is going to be totally lost. So like you can't, um, you know, like do we put like an iPad in a time capsule and just put that in there or whatever? So. Yeah, so like it's like I think like, like, well, what do we do with our work as as a fixed point? And so that's and I was not gonna be thinking about the book of the people contemplate about book of the future, what the was the book uh future of the book look like? And you know, um my mentor in college worked on a project uh our project called the Future of the Book. And so I you know, I was mm-hmm. I helped out with that project as well. But you know, I think we always compare the future of the book, or the uh, future like album of the book because you know, it's the gold standard because the books are going to be around and they've been around for so long. I, I don't see them going away any, any time. It's just so, but when you compare that to the website, you know, it's just like if, you know, like David Bowie dies, pass away, right? You know, like what's his website going to look like five years from now, 10 years from now? Uh, and then what if like Joe Schmo, web designer, like what does your website look like? You no, know, uh, like if, if one of their, like uh, his ancestors come around, like, hey, what do you do? Like, oh, well, he did some websites. That's cool. Like, do you have any work to show for it? Like, no, not really. I don't. Yeah, am I bumming out everyone? I'm not sure. No, I mean it's <laughs> like, it's kind of funny. Like, even with my you know sort of living site, I I really need to do like a major update. I did a bad RSS feed thing a few years ago and haven't updated anything. Yeah. Um, but there are parts of it that I basically intend to leave in deep freeze. Yeah, because they you know are the 
they're the way they were when I first wrote them. And I don't think there's any reason to change them. And I could, I did at one point change a style sheet on one of my older sites from uh, sans serif to serif. Because I was feeling, you know, fancy <laughs> or something. Um, but it is kind of a weird thing. Like I'm, even though I'm still, you know, working with books, I spend less time physically with books than I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly less time physically with O'Reilly books. Right. But when I, when we publish a book, like part of the weird promise of a book is that if any one of those copies just happens to survive someplace, even yeah. if the rest of them get pulped, you still have the whole thing. Right. Um, on the web, I mean, we have the Internet Archive, which sort of sometimes helps things. Um, but it's not the same kind of like permanent physical memory. Um, I also like, I also listen to uh, a fair amount of like twenties and thirties music and uh, reading the stories of these people who'd like go out, like looking for old 78s. And it sort of got into this like bizarre competition between them for who could get the best quality copy of this obscure record and pay the least for it and stuff like that. But um I think, uh, you know, it. well, it seems to have been a bad month for, for rock stars generally. Um, but I think that's got a lot of us thinking about, you know, so what, what, what lingers on after, after we're gone? Um, or what even lingers on after we lose interest? I mean, that's been something else that's happened on the web a few times. People have just said, okay, I've had enough. 410, on. Even like, was it Mark Pilgrim wrote uh, yep. a great HL5 reference? Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, he's really great reference. He's just like, oh, I'm gone. And he just, he was tired of dealing with that. I, I assume, I think he was just tired of dealing with people who uh, wrote to him and say like, hey, can you answer this HML5 question? I can see that people assumed he was a, the HML5 spec holder or guru about HML troubleshooting. And so he just turned it off. And then so everyone kind of grabbed people around HML5. Like they, you know, they, they put like, I think, I think it was a, it's on GitHub now. They made a GitHub yeah. repo, repo and pointed it up there. So so it's not lost to the ages. We're able like, oh, okay, we, we have it. Yep. And we get to re- redirect it. But, you know, still, it's like, you know. And then... Um, uh, then um, Why the Lucky Stiff did similar. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and then do uh, only pop culture things survive than other things. Too, so. But you talk about records and music. Like, there's a great um, documentary I saw at South by Southwest called 78 Project. The 78 Project. Okay. And uh, they, it's a... So I think it's a crowd-funded uh, movie project. And they just wrapped up, from what I could tell, uh, their movie. Uh, and you actually download it from their, from what's that? I think it's the 78 Project. Just do a Google search for that. And uh, what they do is actually they go out and find great artists who know a song that you, that you, you know, um, that's, I forget what the type of song it is, but it's like kind of folk art, art music. Uh-huh. And they have a machine that will uh, record the audio wherever you are, like a record, and you only get one chance at it. So it only records one side. And uh, so they actually find the people in the middle, like nowhere, pretty much, and say, okay, we'll just sing a song and, and we'll go to, go to your house, go to your nowhere, and just record it and record this music. And so it's that's probably lost. And they, they and they one of the, I forget his name, but one of the people they found was like, this guy who just collects vinyl. There's records that you can't really find anymore in this whole house. It's just like final yes. records. So There's a picture somewhere of a guy's bathtub full of records. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And then, um, um, yeah. I guess the insert joke about mail servers and bathrooms here. But, uh, anyway. but anyway. Yes, yes. So uh, <laughs> we'll come back to the later piece here. Come back. Um, yeah. So it's just, you know, what do we do to, to 
to retain our copy. And so I think that goes to like, if you're a young designer listening to this, I would say, make sure to save copies, do a screenshot of your work, uh, of your code, and, and make sure you store it locally. And that gets me thinking about to um, um, Sean, who used to work at South by Southwest, he used to South by South Interactive for a while. And he gave a great keynote at a Drupal conference in Austin. And, and this goes back to one of the reasons why I'm going back to WordPress and learning more about it is, is that um, it's like just own your own stuff and don't rely on Facebook and um, to host your photos or, or whatnot because they'll just shut down and you know you'll, you'll lose your lose your right. photos lose your memories lose your postings and GeoCities GeoCities uh, Geo yeah, yes. yeah I was, who was I talking to was, was that was it Brenda I think it was Brenda was, she she built uh, a GeoCities website she was able to save it because uh, I think it was Brenda uh, she was able to save it because she burned the files onto a CD-ROM and she had just discovered it one day oh. off of this folder off to the side of the CD-ROM and she uploaded it to GitHub so now her GCD's page I think it's yes. about Robbie Williams is, uh, is, is, is saved for all times so and we go oh okay cool but, uh, but hopefully you know I don't know but uh, yeah, I almost lost a bunch of stuff when AOL shut down it's personal website stuff yeah or when uh, yeah when Apple um, shut down their web page hosting service. There's a lot of great plugins and great tech stuff that was hosted on on Apple sites and certain scouts. So yeah, so just uh, so save what what you do, but uh, and also just goes back to Jeremy Keith's idea as well as as the, from the keynote from Sean was just able to post your own stuff, <coughs> own it, and so that's and that's one of the beautiful things that got me interested in the web in the first place. I think that's where it's, I guess I'm trying to find my own inspiration, the original inspiration again. I guess I may have lost a long way. Um, I don't think I lost it, but just like I haven't really done it. But I was just, uh, it's just uh, published again you know, on, on my own site. And to be able to say, hey, Facebook, you can have this, but you have to like, I'm just going to shoot it, a copy to you and not post it on your site. And um, and then just, you know, just have it be on my site uh, and host it there. And so just and to do it that way. Um, and so yeah, that's kind of, I've got to get back to doing that. I mean, some of it, some of the stuff that's inspiring me on this is the indie web stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of techniques and tricks and tools to make these things go more easily. Yeah. Um, but for the last, wow, like five years, I've probably been doing almost all of my writing on other people's sites. Yeah. Um, I still have a movable type site running. Uh, movable type itself isn't running because some upgrade killed it. Uh, but the, the because it's static content, it's all still happy in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also reminding me of uh, a lot of XML conversation I used to go to was about like archival formats and you know text based formats will make it easier for us to figure out what happened in a million years when people are doing the archaeology of this stuff and. Mm-hmm. There are all these concerns that XML would just, you know, people would create their own vocabularies and nobody would know what the vocabularies meant anymore. And right. I always thought that was kind of overblown because it's usually not that much harder to read the markup than it is to read the text. But anyway, um, at this point, it almost seems to me like HTML has kind of become that archival format. Yeah. Um, it's a living archival format. I'm not saying it's dead, no. Um, but it's so ubiquitous. It's actually had, I mean, like for a medium, in current times, it's it's lasting quite nicely. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. Good. I mean, if you have a browser and you have your web web page, it should work. So yeah, and even if you don't know what a browser is, and you look at it, you can. Well, 
for some stuff, you can figure it out. If you actually look at the Google homepage, don't try to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah but then, um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I, totally. I think um, it goes back to just, I think, you know, just owning uh, who you are. I think that goes to what you publish. And I think that's also something I've been kind of grappling with, just like being okay publishing what you do. And that goes back to um, just being inspired by the uh, New York snow skiing guy because uh, he's like he's got too many video, uh, viewers now but not that this has anything to do with popularity but it was just like I think he was successful in that he got too many viewers subscribers uh, gradually but then within six months he went from like one million over four or five years got to like uh, 100 million subscribers to two million subscribers within six months and part of that was just uh, practicing and vlogging every day, and and not that that means anything, you know, like popularity, fame, or whatever that like it comes and goes. But I just feel like um, it just makes you a better writer. It makes you like your thoughts get crystallized more, and you get to share your ideas to more people quickly if you actually capture them and crystallize them. And then if you write great HTML, maybe two hundred years from now, people will find your bad poetry. I don't know. So. Yeah, well, it's all about the bad poetry. It always <laughs> is. It's very important. It's like I own the bad poetry. But, uh, but yeah. Yes. Well, we should, you know, do something where we're like carving it into stone, and then <laughs> maybe that'll last more than a week. Uh, some tablets, but yeah, I don't know, man. Then I have to go find the uh, uh, refrigerated room, cold storage tablets, so don't, they don't turn to powder. And then you know, if you get the wrong tablets, they'll. You know, That's true. Um, you put you gotta put them in an ark, and you put the ark of the covenant. They know like, <laughs> it's really difficult. And actually, looking at old gravestones makes me think this is harder than I'm thinking. So yeah, yeah. even the the gravestones at uh, with Boston and is this uh, uh, with their unique style and everything like that like yeah you know, the Boston tour like the the red line tour they have there. It's just uh, oh man, yeah, you just you don't know who's buried half the time. So and uh, yeah, so. Uh, but that's why you need GPS and uh, units and uh, be able, for smartphones and be able to track. Yeah. There. there actually are, like, the genealogists are all over this kind of stuff, like knowing yeah. all of who's in there and where. And I'm not sure they've really reached the point of using GPS for individual graves, but I'm sure somebody's working on it. <laughs> GPS will get that next level of accuracy and we'll be all good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to be morbid, but it just comes up naturally. Well, like, it's winter. It's, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess so. It's winter. It's been a bad year for rock stars. Um, <laughs> winter it, killed rock star. Oh, no. There we go. Well, it's also good to stop once in a while and think about where the stuff is going. Um, actually, when, when I was at CSS DevConf last year, one of the big divides I found in the audience mm-hmm. was between people who create a site and then like move on and forget about it and do the yeah. next one and the people who are stuck there maintaining. Oh, wow, yeah. And, uh, like, their attitudes towards how to use CSS were really strikingly different. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, you know, I, I tend to be the guy who's stuck maintaining things, so I want everyone else to be stuck with me. Um, you know, for a lot of people, it is kind of a once and done. Yeah. So um, having conversations like this one that kind of at least make them think, okay, so I've done this once, it's done, what now? Yeah, well, there's, well, there's also liberating, uh, liberating in that you can actually build a small project and then you move on, and so it's self-contained, and you can just don't have to worry about it anymore. 
So that's you know pretty good to do that too. But uh, but yeah, so just keep on building small projects. That's what, well, that's. that's that's how I like doing it. I mean, the woodworking book thing has me a little worried because it's clearly bigger than anything else I've done in a long time. Yeah. Um, and it has the potential just to keep growing. So mm-hmm. am I like chaining myself to a Leviathan? I, I guess I'll find out. Um, I don't know if anybody's going to. That's the two big fears. One, is anybody going to want to read this at all? Will anybody ever look at this stuff? Mm-hmm. When they come in from Google, are they just going to bounce right off? And then the other one is, oh, God, if this is popular, what do I do then? Oh, those are problems I have, my friend. So uh, that's true. But but, uh, but yeah, I well, think uh, it's kind of because like um, we talked about this Zellman, and like he actually has like I'm holding up a, a mouse pad. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you have one or not. I don't have one, but those are awesome. Yeah. So uh, so, so WebSafe. I, yeah, WebSafe color palette, which is cubed and uh, rectangular in nature, like it's kind of it's, right? engineer, it's for engineers. And so I just like hey, I take a WebSafe palette, I put it in a color wheel. Slap it on mouse pad because everyone has to have one a mouse pad, um, and uh, sold like twenty thousand of them at least. I don't know, I forgot. All right, and then laser pointer mouse mice's mice's mouse. I don't know whatever. Yes, it came out, and then everyone didn't really need one, and so I actually people complained like I don't really need one because my mouse doesn't need one. I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. And then right. monitors got better and didn't really need to sell it. But um, the reason I bring that up is because like I get to the mentality of like. I really don't care what people think. I really want one. Right. And I could be crazy enough to put this on a mouse pad, but because I really want one. And so I had to invest and buy 500 mouse <laughs> yes. pads to get one. And I was just like, great. Now I have to go sell for uh, 499 of these because <laughs> I can't have them in my garage. And uh, they sold out. And I was like, holy cow. I guess I'll print some more for a while. And then um, for that. And so, um, and you just never know. Like you have to be crazy enough to want it. Is my is my my rationale behind that? Just because like you need to, if you want it for yourself, I think. And there's you want it so badly that you want to put it out there. I think you just have to go, go, go do it. And so that's the. Uh, so and I think this book is gonna be awesome for you. So I think if if you want to do it, just do it well, and then not think about what other people think about it. I think my rules for writing are kind of the same as my rules for programming. If nobody else has really done what I want, then I yeah. will go out and try to do it. Right. Um, like I'm not a great programmer. You don't want me really writing lots of code, but I can do it if I have to and nobody else is doing it. Okay, I'm in. Right. And uh, with writing, it's like, okay, um, yeah, I've read a lot of books. None of them are what I want. Okay, let's try this other thing. Yeah. Um, I don't have to buy 500 copies, though, if I put it on the web. That's all pretty easy. Yeah, <laughs> maybe there'll be a print edition eventually, though. And then I'll have to figure it out. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, so. I see. And, and uh, this is the power of the printing press. This is, comes from a guy who, like, you know, I, I started out in journalism, a newspaper, mm-hmm. and it's you know, go part of my job was sometimes just to go check the printing press of a newspaper and uh, see if they had any like the people who worked there, see if they had any issues, and um, uh, which never happened, which is like you know, whatever. But uh, right. big printing press, and it's just like. You know, before the web, it was just like, you know, the joke is like, you know, whoever has a printing press, you know, it's not really a joke because I can't remember the punchline. But uh, yeah, yeah, it controls the, you know, controls the news and and uh, so all you need is your own printing press, but they only cost like million dollars and tons of ink and you know, which costs money and some of that too. So, so to be able to to own your own printing press is legendary and you know, it's and to have people who you know own their own business because it's their brand because they own their own websites. It's kind of a it's kind of an amazing thing. Just, you know, I don't know. Well, it's, it's interesting. 
because uh, you don't have to own the printing press anymore unless you're doing letterpress. Right. Um, and there is like a giant magazine printer like a quarter mile from my house that I've never been inside and I really want to and now I've got to go ask. Um, <laughs> the uh, But the thing is, like you can print all the stuff you want, but you still have that problem of is anybody looking. Right. And when it used to be limited to people who had printed and printing presses, there were just a few of them. So of course everybody was looking because it was only two or three things that they could kind of kind of favorite. Um, you know that that part of it has really changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to figure out how to like shoot videos of snowboarding in Times Square to get <laughs> exactly visitors yeah. to my. Because oh, um, I went to that uh, what is it that YouTube conference uh, VidCon yeah. right, and I actually went to. Uh, workshop air quotes workshop uh about how to make a viral video right so i was right and you know and and there was absolutely nothing that you like like no one knows how to make a viral video right so people can know how to make uh so it's kind of like just worked it in the round of like how to make an idea for a viral video sound you know make it authentic make it unique, make it edgy, but then you still need to do the editing of it, and you still need to do... Uh, so even if you have something awesome, and you are and you need to, to edit it in terms of a manufactured viral video, not like something that's actually like, there's just something awesome going on, but right. uh, you still need to edit it, and you still need to game plan for it, and so, so there's just a lot of work involved. And and no one knows what makes a viral video, so it was my upshot from learning about that. So, but, um, so the only thing to do is... Uh, Practice snowboarding in New York City is what I'm come down to. Really, it's just yeah. The blizzard I was there for last time. I tried to go cross country skiing in Central Park, but other people had the idea before we did, so all the skis were you know rented. Uh, but, you uh, bring your own snowboard, definitely. Yeah, pretty much. Oh man, well, I think, I think we just killed it. I think we just brought everyone down in the audience. If there's listening with the snowboard, or with the, <laughs> there's no way to create a viral video predictably. Yeah, that too. I think that's. I think that's actually the real problem. If we could all create viral videos predictably, everything would be beautiful and happy, and we wouldn't yeah. even be worried about how long these things would last because there'd always be more viral videos. Oh man, oh. Geez. You know, I think about the poor uh, guy Sai coming up with something after Gangnam Style. Like, how do you? How do you follow that you, up, right? How do you? You can't. It's just not possible. Well, it's too um, famous now. You can't, you can't. Or, yeah, or you do what Bowie does and just change everything completely. <laughs> Well, I think there's. I think Bowie. This could be totally wrong, but from what little like scratching the uh, Bowie biography that I've done is that he got famous and you know kind of aloof, which is totally Bowie, whatever, and that it couldn't reconnect a little bit to uh, society. So, like, I feel like that's the problem. It's like, um, and that's that's the main worry probably, which is becoming famous and stuff but i'm willing to tackle that problem head on uh if i need to right so so become famous i'll just deal with it in the best way possible neither of us are bowie famous but we do get these strange moments where we're up on stage and you know running the show and all of that kind of stuff and that's that's pretty weird as it is i don't even i don't even really want to know what it's like to be bowie famous oh man yeah yeah so it's just um Oh, CS DevConf has been working on. That's been excellent. Yeah, I've been working on the new one. So, trying to get all our ducks in a row. We we're supposed to announce this week. That's kind of got me down. That's probably why I'm more busy. So we we're supposed to announce this week, but uh, um, our venues can kind of. Um, I, just, I just want to tell you what the problem is. Like, one of the major problems is okay, so the the venue, I love the venue. 
I'm going to love locations different than what we've done before. Mm-hmm. So we do okay. Um, and so we will announce the, the venue, but we want to make sure we have the people can register for the hotel right away. Um, they get blocking great rates, you know, whatever you do. Right. So um, we actually kind of like work them down off their price point a little bit. So it's a little cheaper for, for people to show up. So great. So they give us a link to the reservations, uh, reservation system. Awesome. It happens to be this clip art of uh, like little weeble wobble people, like nondescript people, blue colored, uh-huh. all ties on, all male, like male, like right. Fingers, right? Male uh, icons, right? And, so there's, and then there's one big red one with a suitcase, right? I guess the guy with red has a suitcase. And I'm like, uh, I could have gone with a nondescript photo, photo, like, yeah, uh, photo of the hotel, like some, like, show me like anything within the hotel but you get me like a bunch of male icons is <laughs> like, it on mars like, huh it just sounds like it's on mars but yeah, no yeah, yeah. Just, and i feel like i feel like talking to like ari about this is like i think they think someone did a good job you know and they they like made it different and like i was like oh man so we've been waiting like two or three days for them to change it we actually made our own photographics like to right? give to them and say like it could be a hotel photo that you have. Here's one I took of your venue when I was there. Right, right. So cropped, rid- optimized. Right. So, you know, and then they were like, so we're waiting for that to actually happen. Yeah, I and would be worried like registering for the hotel would turn me blue or something. Yeah, okay. exactly. He's like, uh, am I seeing the blue man group here? I was like, what's going on? But, uh, but yeah, so it's, that's been kind of a hold up to that. But uh, so I've been waiting. I've made this announcement for it and, and it's just been like, been waiting and waiting so okay. i'm just glad it's soon so yeah that's good yeah so uh that's about it for, for for me i think i don't know okay yeah i'm just getting geared up for fluent which is in march so i'm, yeah. I'm happily staying home until then so yes. that's a good thing yes so yeah we're we're staying home for yeah we're not doing a lot of traveling this year so it's pretty good but yeah so fluids <laughs> what is fluent Fluids March uh, seven to ten. There's training on the seventh and eighth, and then there's the workshops for the eighth, and then the ninth and tenth is the what everyone thinks of as the conference. So, um, so yeah, I'll be out in San Francisco for that. But until then, I'm home. I don't have to deal with snowmageddon unless it comes here, in which case I'll be a lot happier about it. Yeah, cool. And then, oh, I do have a question for you. Like before we wrap up, yeah. Why do we like you are awesome at Facebook and posting on Facebook? But it's a walled garden. Like, why do and I like Facebook. I right. post a lot more on Facebook. Why do we do that? Like, why do we? Well, so the reason I post there, so I'm, so I'm kind of making my Twitter account more of a work account because yeah. I just couldn't find ways to make Twitter work like for fun conversation that I was into. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I have friends there. I'm, I'm sort of talk to them. It's all good, but it's just a lot less conversational. Mm-hmm. Um, on Facebook. Partly because people at least kind of sort of know each other, yeah. and they mostly know me. I do have a few friends on Facebook who I never have actually met or talked to outside of that context, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite is a friend who found me through another friend who I'm no longer friends with. So, okay. you know, she's awesome. He's not. That's fine. <laughs> um, but I, I, I find, you know, if I post something, and I probably post too much, um, Sometimes I get silence and that's fine, but sometimes I get, you know, real conversation on a level that I just can't find in, well, certainly not in Twitter and occasionally I would get in comment sections or similar things like that. 
Um, on you know, like the O'Reilly site, I would sometimes have great comment threads. On my own blogs, um, I would sometimes have conversations that were useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but my odds of getting a real conversation are a lot higher on Facebook than they are other places. Is that because still, you, is that because of like like people? I don't like, know. Because of friends and family, they know you. They feel safe. Well, it's, it's interesting because, like, I, I, a friend of mine is like 180 degrees away from my politics. Yeah. Um, you know, and she's awesome. She she writes fiction. She does all of these other things that are great, but she never ever comments on a political thread of mine. And then she posted the other day, and I actually like I wrote her a thank you note because I was like, "Thank you. This is great. You came over. I, I know it was you know different, but 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 thanks." Um, I think to some extent, yes. I mean, people on Facebook are kind of self-segregating. I know who the likely suspects are to post on my political posts or my technical posts, um, my family posts. Um, I got if I post on things Irish and tragic, I get yes. Um, I, I know who will respond, and it's always good conversation. It's just like I, I sort of know, and I think over time they've kind of gotten to know each other. Yeah, and I think that helps a bit um i may be a little obsessive with liking people's comments no. that helps some too um i feel weird about like because it doesn't mean i agree with them right. but i think we've all sort of figured that out um i wish i wish i could have more conversations like that that were not that were electronic but were not in facebook mm-hmm. um it still doesn't compare to some of like the the epic stories i've heard of the well or Mm-hmm. Um, use that in its best days or that kind of thing. I, yeah, like pre-spam pretty much. Yeah, yeah pre-spam. That's, that's a lot of it. Right. Yeah, because like, I think Facebook does is it actually uh, – it goes by the comments, right? Because the like, comments – your name is there, right? They, like, they, they will – I don't know what the – it's been a while since I've, I signed up for Facebook. But, but you, you actually have to be the person signing up for it. You can't be like – usually in most cases, you can't be a spoof, spoof account. And so – and there's and since your friends there, or your family's there, and you want to connect with them, it's you're more inclined to use your own name. And I, I remember sites actually drop their comment system for their blog system and actually use Facebook's comment system just because more people are inclined to be nicer to each other because their their comments will probably show up on Facebook if they are. Yeah, uh, it's. It sort of works. I mean, like looking at my local newspapers comments, it, yeah. it definitely reduced the volume of violence and spam. Okay. Um, but then there are also like there's some groups that I follow that are like local history groups or there's like an Ithaca issues group. There's still a lot of uh, fire and brimstone in there. Mm-hmm. Um, really random fire and brimstone. So even though it's even though it's in the walled garden, even though you don't have the totally random noise. Mm-hmm. Even when people know each other to some extent, it's it's not always paradise. Right. Um, there's a lot more active. I don't know. I don't feel like I really moderate stuff like people used to moderate comments. Mm-hmm. But there is something more about like participating and and not just kind of broadcasting stuff and then seeing what people throw against it. Okay. It's yeah. a weird thing. I, I I have hopes. I don't like to say that Facebook gives me hope because it doesn't usually. Um, but, you know, just kind of seeing that conversation space makes me think that there is more we can do with this on the broader web. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to take a lot of time, a lot of care. Um, and 
actually the other awkward thing is like I've been posting on Facebook for like seven years now. Yeah. Which is kind of hard to imagine. Um, I do download like my complete set of whatever every now and then. Um, but, uh, you know, that the fact that it's been around that long and that we've had conversations for all this time, I think also is a lot of it. Um, you know, there's some of that on Twitter. There are people I've known on Twitter since I signed up for Twitter and I kind of know who they are. Yeah. But it's different. Yeah. 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 I, don't know. I think it's also for people who are non techie to get Facebook and stay on Facebook and then yes. make their own thing. So. Yes, I still my Facebook feed definitely still trends techie, mm-hmm. but it's way less techie than say my Twitter stuff or pretty much any other venue I'm in. So, right, okay, that may that may help with the conversation too. All right, Some, you know, sometimes I feel like like an idiot for posting in a walled garden all the time. Well, no, it, it, it is a walled garden. It's terrible. I totally know that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I would I. I really do have that information wants to be free virus. And that's part of why I'm doing the woodworking thing as a site instead of a book. Right. But if I can't have a real conversation out in the wilds of the desert, I'm going to find a, you know, quieter place to do it. Right. I guess. That's right. a really bad metaphor, but you know, <laughs> that's like, I try to parse that one. I'm sorry. But. This, this year has been like the worst, like I, I just am spewing random bad mixed metaphors, like since the year began. So oh, forgive yeah. me. All right. All right. So yeah. I think the best person I know about metaphors is uh, Porter in DC, actually. So I was, maybe you should do a master class in, in metaphors, but he's. That's he's a good idea. Yeah. I would love a master class in metaphors. <laughs> maybe I'm uh, crazy. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's been great. Uh, how, Simon, how can people find you on the uh, internet and learn more about Fluent? Well, the easy place to find me on Twitter is uh, at S I M O N S T L. Um, fluent is at fluentconf.com, F L U E N T C O N F.com. Um, and there you can find the conference. We have actually added one in uh, Amsterdam in November, too. So oh, nice. when you go there, you'll see the March thing and the November thing. And right now we're all about the March thing. Um, yeah, Twitter's a good place to start to find me, though. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so great. much, Simon. It's been great. Thank you. This has been great. I, the morbid is all good. <laughs> Get out of our system in January so we can move on. Exactly. Yeah. No more rock, dead rock stars, please. Mm-hmm.